it's important to understand Benedict Arnold in order to get a, a good understanding, a clear picture of the Revolutionary War itself. You spend a great deal of time in this book and write about it in pretty vivid, colorful detail, uh, describing his heroics and the examples of him as a warrior prior to what led him to the infamy, which still follows him to this day. Give folks an example of the kind of warrior tactics, the kind of heroics that he was known for prior to becoming a traitor? Well, you, you, can, you can sort of look at the first three years of the Revolutionary War through the lens of Benedict Arnold, and you see in 1775, he captured Fort Ticonderoga only three weeks after the war broke out at Lexington and Concord. Uh, it was the most strategic fort in America. And he not only captured that, he then on his own initiative went up to Canada and captured a British warship, gained control of the entire Lake Champlain. That was the route from Canada into the 13 colonies. And for the first two years of the war, the Patriot control of Ticonderoga thwarted the British from invading into the colonies. So that was a, a major achievement. The following year, they tried to invade, and he fought them off at the Battle of Valcour Island, a, a naval battle that was actually on Lake Champlain. Uh, tremendous um, uh, imagination to, to actually confront the Royal Navy uh, on the lake and uh, at least fight them to a draw uh, if, and, and stop the invasion. And then a year later, he was the person at Saratoga who led the charge, uh, led the, the two battles, uh, defeated John Burgoyne, and that is known as the turning point of the Revolutionary War. So one year after another, in each of those years, he was really uh, the principal figure in the, the main event. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I would think being held in that high regard by the Continental Army and by the public, he would be the last person that anyone would think would be a traitor, which I suppose why it was such big news. Why did he do it? Well, that's the uh, the big question. And, and the, I, what I would say is that there's almost too many reasons. Um, over the years, historians have asserted that he did it only for the money. And he did get paid by the British to, to hand over the fort at West Point, which then was a major fort on the Hudson River. Some said his wife influenced him. He'd married a young um, loyalist-leaning uh, young lady from Philadelphia, Peggy Shippen, and uh, she influenced him to, to uh, come over to the British. Some said he didn't like the French uh, alliance. Some said that he was just disgruntled over the promotions and the handling he had gotten from Congress. And all those may have had some role in it, but the, none of them is big enough to make that 180-degree turn mm. and, and and become the the opposite of what he had been before. I think we have to think about things now, these days, like PTSD. Mm. And he had been severely wounded in battle twice. He was wounded twice. One, the second time at Saratoga was very severe. He was in in constant pain probably for all of his, the rest of his life. Um, also things like he was a narcissist, and I think he really liked to be at the center of everything. And when he was, he was wounded and he was laid up for many, many months, uh, he started thinking, how can I get back to this being at the center of things? I don't think those are reasons, but they are factors that we would have to consider. And I think that 
the reason my answer to that question would be, I really don't know. He was a very enigmatic character. He was not uh, introspective himself about why he did things. And I sometimes wonder if he even knew himself why uh, he really did it. Uh, You alluded, and by the way, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, award-winning historian and author Jack Kelly. You can check out his uh, new book, God Save Benedict Arnold, The True Story of America's Most Hated Man. It's available wherever books are sold. Jack, you alluded to his wife, uh, Peggy, and you described her as having loyalist sympathies. She was a spy as well, right? She was uh, definitely in on the plot. She had the the British uh, took over Philadelphia, and she lived in Philadelphia. And while they were in control of Philadelphia, she uh, flirted with the officers and got to know uh, some of the British officers, including Major John Andre, who became the head of British intelligence. So when after she married Benedict Arnold, she was the go between between him and uh, and uh, Major Andre, and uh, certainly knew about the plot. Uh, probably encouraged him, but I just don't think, particularly when you think back in those days, the relationships between men and women that uh, Benedict Arnold was hardly the type that that a woman would say, "Well, maybe you should do this," and he went and did it. I, I think that. He had his own reasons, and he used her as uh, as just a, a figure to help him uh, uh, get in touch with the British. Now, uh, maybe I uh, jumped the gun a little bit by assuming a lot of the audience un- already understands what form his treason took. And I'm betting a lot of people don't. A lot of people probably know Benedict Arnold was a traitor that betrayed the revolutionary cause and the Continental Army. But what exactly did he do at West Point? What form? did his treason take? Yeah, well, I always uh, emphasize that I think that his treason was actually uh, much more serious and, and severe than than most people think, even if they know about um, West Point. West Point then was not a military academy. It was a, uh, a major fort protecting the Hudson River. And it was something the British had been trying to get control of the Hudson River throughout the war. And he offered to allow them. He, he was in command of that area. Uh, and he offered to allow them to take over West Point, and made they made the arrangements. He gave them maps, and uh, he he, he um, allowed the fortifications to to deteriorate at West Point, and so they were ready to take it over. And uh, that plot was foiled at literally the last minute, um, and he escaped at uh, w- once he realized that the the, the um, patriots had found out what he was doing. He escaped down to New York. But then what a lot of people don't know is he went down to Virginia and led British troops as a British uh, general against Americans and then went up to uh, New London, Connecticut, where he was from and and burnt that town down wow. for the British. Wow. So before he went over to England well, uh, after the war. And and that's exactly what I was going to ask you. A- after he was exposed as a traitor and after the patriots won the uh, revolutionary war, what was the rest of Benedict Arnold's life for him? What, what where did he live? What did he do? Well, it was sort of a mixed bag. He he and his wife and 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 his uh, children went over to um England. They got a they got a mixed reception over there. Some people admired him. A lot of people did not admire him because everybody hates a traitor, and particularly 
the British officers in the army, and he wanted to stay in the army. He loved being in the army, and he wanted to be in the British. Uh, they didn't want him because they not only was he a traitor, he had killed a lot of British soldiers while he was a while he was on the Patriot side. So he got back into business. He lived in Canada for a while, and basically he got back into his, his old business, which was trading down to the West Indies. And um, he did, he lived a comfortable life, but not he never seemed to be a happy person because he was really only happy. I think once he got the bug for uh, the military life, he really was only happy uh, when he was in action, and he was never able to get back into action. Our guest is Jack Kelly. He's the author of God Save Benedict Arnold. Really interesting book, uh, relatively short, and you can read it in a relatively short amount of time, but it's packed with information and packed with uh, a lot of beautiful storytelling. 